Well, good morning, everyone. Obviously, some of us have to be dragged into the kingdom of God. (laughs) I would invite you this morning to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 15. Chapter 15. Now, as you remember from last week, if you were here with us, the people of Israel had been led from Israel. Egypt to the base of Mount Sinai, had received the Lord's law, had received the instructions for the tabernacle, had constructed the tabernacle, and then had been commanded to set out to receive God's blessing in the promised land. But they came to the very edge of the promised land. They sent in the twelve spies. They came back. Ten of them gave a bad report. Two of them gave a good report. And then in chapter 14, we saw the people's response. And their response was to reject the good land that the Lord was giving them. Now, as we go through the book of Numbers, what we will find, which is unique to this book, compared to so many books that we are exposed to, is that it is not just made up of a narrative, of a story, nor is it just made up of law, or is it just made up of prophecy. But the book of Numbers has all sorts of different genres that are put together to form God's message to us. And so as we come to the conclusion of this narrative in which Israel rejects the promised land, we are now given in chapter 15... God's law for His people. And so let us turn our attention. We will start in verse 27 of chapter 15 and go to the end of the chapter this morning. So hear now the word of the Lord. If one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a female goat, a year old, for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who makes a mistake when he sins unintentionally to make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is a native among the people of Israel, and for the stranger who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel And tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations. And to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. 
And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning asking that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We pray, O Lord, that you would speak to us words of life, that we might see your Son, Christ Jesus, and might know his saving grace this day. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Clothing has always served to set people apart. That is, it distinguishes and identifies individuals within a community. And so if you see someone in a white coat with a stethoscope, you know that she is a doctor. When we see somebody in a blue shirt with a badge, we know he is a policeman. When we see someone in dark blue pants, a light blue shirt, and a satchel over his shoulder, we know that it's a mailman. Clothing tells us much about a person. It can distinguish anything from where somebody lives, what college they attended, or what religion they practiced. Each Sunday morning I put on this robe to set me apart to the task of preaching God's Word. When I walk through the halls here at Rivermont with this robe on, everyone knows there is the pastor. It's meant to display the unique call that each of the ordained ministers have been given and to make it so that attention is not drawn to us as individuals, but that attention is drawn to the Word of God. In our passage for this morning, the Lord calls upon the people of Israel to wear a certain article of clothing that would communicate that they have been set apart, that they are different from the rest of the world. Look at verse 37 and 38 of your text. There it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, And tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. The Israelites were to wear these tassels on the edge of their clothing to set them apart as we see in verse 40. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. Israel was commanded to wear these blue highlighted tassels to display to the world and to themselves that they had been set apart. You see, the word holy at its most basic level means to be set apart, to be distinct, to be different, to be other. And the tassels were to serve as a visible reminder that Israel was unique in all the world because they had been set apart. They had been made holy by God. In our own lives, we may wonder, as a Christian, how is my life any different from the rest of the world? 
How are we as Christians to be differentiated from the broader culture? There's no special clothing that we are called to wear. There is no Christian uniform or dress. When Christians are walking down the street, there really need not be any outward means of telling them apart from the rest of those who are not Christians. Nevertheless, as God's people, we still need a way of knowing that we have been set apart. A way of knowing that we are holy to the Lord. That while we live in the world, that we are not of the world. While we may visibly blend into the crowd spiritually, there is something different and distinct about who we are. Because so often we, like Israel, forget that we are called to be different. So often we forget that we do not have the same priorities and goals as the world. And what we will see in our passage for this morning is that God's people are distinct. They are holy. They are set apart. But they're not set apart by their clothing. They're not set apart by bumper stickers or by race or by ethnicity. We are not set apart by our language or by our gender or by our wealth. We are not set apart by decision or intelligence or righteousness. But rather we are set apart by God's grace. By, God's, by our obedience to God's grace. And by love. What sets God's people apart is that we are to be dressed in holiness. Now the first and most important distinguishing mark of God's people is that they are recipients of God's saving grace. This is key. The first and most important way that we are shown to be set apart by God is not by something that we do to ourselves or a decision that we make, but rather we are distinct because of the way that God has unconditionally chosen to save us. Look at verse 41. It says, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. This verse teaches us that the Lord initiated. That is he began the relationship between himself and the people of Israel. And by his grace he has chosen them and he has saved them from slavery in Egypt. And by the virtue of this electing grace, Israel is now marked out as belonging to the Lord. As the text says, I am the Lord, your God. The reason that God chose Israel to be his own was not because they were larger than any other nation. It was not because they are wealthier. It's not because they are more righteous. Rather, the word of God tells us that the only reason for God's choosing to save Israel was because of His love for Israel. The Lord set His love upon a particular people and according to His own purposes set them apart as objects of His grace so that He might redeem them out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Though they did not deserve His saving work, nevertheless He chose to mark them out by making them His own. This is the distinguishing mark of God's people. This is how God sets His people apart. He gives them grace. 
as you remember in chapter 14, it was a complete disaster for the people of God. They had completely rejected the promised land. And they were sentenced to wander in the desert for 40 years. And yet, the first recorded word of the Lord following this episode comes in verse 2 of chapter 15. If you look there at verse 2, what is the first words that the people of Israel hear from the mouth of the Lord after they reject the promised land? It says, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, you are to inhabit, which I am giving you. Though his people have cast off his good promise, he does not cast them off. He does not relent from showing the nation of Israel grace. And though the first generation will not enter the land, their children will be given the land. And this is how, and this is why Israel must be holy, because a holy God has chosen to set them apart from all the nations of the earth. And this is the same way that God's people are distinguished today. By God's unconditional electing love. We read in 1 Peter, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You see, according to His sovereign election, The Lord chose to show you grace. Not because of any condition which you met. And because He has shown you grace, you are now marked out as His holy ones. This is the distinguishing mark of your life. That you were once exiled from God by your sin, but by His grace He made you His own. And I wonder, do you live that out in your life? Is grace what sets you apart from the world? Is it the heartbeat of your life that though you did nothing to deserve it, yet the exact opposite, that in your life you completely rejected God and went against His ways, but by His grace He came and He set you apart and He put His grace upon you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that set you apart from the world? Do you live in that humility and in that joy that though you did not deserve it, the Lord set His love upon you and saved you in Christ Jesus? That is to be the distinguishing mark of God's people. That though we did not deserve it, God gave us His grace and saved us from our sins. And yet, the grace alone that saves us never comes alone. When we are saved by God's grace, it costs us absolutely nothing. We do nothing to earn God's grace given to us in Christ. It is while we were sinners that Christ died for us. We are debtors to mercy alone. Nevertheless, Once God saves us by His unconditional grace, we belong to Him. He is our God and we are His people. And therefore He requires of us our unconditional obedience. 
Again, verses 39 and 40, we read that these tassels that are commanded are commanded, as we read there, so that Israel would look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. How are we holy to our God? By doing all of God's commandments. The way that we are set apart as holy is by unconditional obedience to our Lord's commandments. We live in a time that has all but forgotten the proper relationship between the law and grace. On one hand, you have those who would teach the law as a means of salvation, or at least a means of keeping your salvation. They teach a legalism that contradicts the very heart of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. A grace that saves and keeps us to the end. Yet on the other hand, there are those who would preach grace as a license for sin. They teach that God's law has no abiding power in the life of a Christian. That to look to the law as a positive guide for spiritual life and life in Christ is not what the Word of God teaches us. But the consistent message of God's Word from Old Testament to New, is that we are saved by unconditional grace to unconditional obedience. That is, God does not save us because we are obedient to Him, but God does save us so that we will be obedient to Him. Therefore, the Ten Commandments begin, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Grace. God's grace given to Israel. You shall have no other gods before me. And the rest of the Ten Commandments. Obedience. Paul explains in Ephesians 1, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Grace. Before the foundation of the world, before you did anything right or wrong, before you could do anything right or wrong, before time even began, before the world started, God chose to save His people in Christ. Why? That we should be holy and blameless before Him. That we would be obedient. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Grace, God saves us by grace. Nothing that we do, not our own works. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we could go on and on and on. The reason that God has given us grace is so that we would be holy. Not because we are holy, but so that we will be holy in our lives. So that we will be a force for good in the world. That we would walk in the good works which God has prepared for us beforehand. 
This is how God's people are to be set apart from the world. Holiness. Obedience. This is why we read in verses 30 and 31 of our text. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or sojourner, reviles the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has displeased or despised rather the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. To sin with a high hand means to sin with absolute knowing rebellion against the Lord. A willful and deliberate act of treason against God. And when one acts in such a manner, he displays to the world that he does not belong to the Lord, that he is not a part of God's people, and therefore he is not holy, and must be cut off from God's people. This is the same logic in the New Testament, why there must be church discipline, and if one continues to sin with a high hand, excommunication from the church. Because there are times when those who claim to be of Christ continue in sin. They claim to be set apart, but they display by their willful, repetitive disobedience that they do not belong to the Lord, that they never belong to the Lord. Now this is not talking about people who are struggling against sin, who are fighting sin in their lives. This does not mean those people who have fallen into sin yet are seeking repentance. To sin with a high hand means that you are rejecting the Lord through utter contempt for His ways and His word, saying, I will not be holy. For obedience is a mark of God's people. It is the sign that we have been set apart and belong to the Lord. Therefore, we must pursue holiness in our lives. We must seek to obey God's word. Obedience must be the great pursuit of our lives. We must be a people who yearn and long to be changed and to be holy. For this is why you were elected to salvation. This is why God predestined you. He called you. He regenerated you and justified you. So that you might be holy. So that you might be sanctified. That is, so that you might be holy in your life. Is this not the word of Christ to His disciples? You did not choose Me, but I chose you. Grace. But why did God choose us in Christ? And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. We try to mark ourselves out as Christians by so many surface and superficial means. But the way that we should be known in this world, the way that we should be set apart is by our obedience to God. That we would have good fruit. That the world would see the church and say, that is a group of people who are a force for good in this world. Because they are obeying God. Our unconditional obedience to the Lord to do His command is what marks us out. And yet the Lord doesn't desire just bare obedience. He does not want us to honor Him with our lips, yet be far from Him with our 
hearts. The people of God are set apart by God's grace. They are set apart by their obedience. But they are also set apart by their love. You see, God desires our hearts. And so we read in verse 39 of our text about these tassels and what they do. It says, And it shall be a tassel for you to look at, remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them. And then it says, Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. The human heart is the aim of God's law. It is to see the heart change so that His people would love Him and His ways. Therefore the Lord says in Deuteronomy 11, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always. Do you see the connection? Obedience is fueled out of love. Therefore, obedience can be summed up in one word, love. That is why motives matter in the holiness of God's people. That is, the way we obey or disobey is of vital importance. This is why there is a distinction in our text between unintentional sins and sinning with a high hand. Sin runs so deep That both as individuals and in the community, there are going to be sins against the Lord that we don't even realize that we are doing. We will walk in sinfulness just because we are broken people. And yet the Lord gives us this atoning sacrifice. Nevertheless, when one's motive is hatred of God and His ways, are rebellious, then there is a more severe punishment. This is how we are set apart. This is how the world knows that we are who we are by what we love. Does our heart love the world? As the text says, do we whore after that which displeases the Lord? Or are we faithful to our God and love Him, His law, and His people? This is the distinguishing mark that sets us apart. As Jesus says in John 13.35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. This is how you will be marked out. This is how people will know that you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have love for one another. It is God's love that motivated Him to save Israel. And it is Israel's love which the Lord desires. As we read in Deuteronomy 10, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The way that we are set apart from the world is by what our hearts love. And yet I think that our misunderstanding of motive is why we are caught so off guard by the execution of the Sabbath breaker. As you remember the context of what's going on here, Israel has just rejected the promised land, God's blessing for His 
people. And now we have here in the next chapter an episode in which a man has rejected the foretaste of that rest. The Sabbath has always been a foretaste of the rest that God is giving His people in the promised land. And so to pick up sticks on the Sabbath does not seem to be on the level of a capital offense. And yet, we must step back and see the context. This man was not making a mistake. He had not forgotten God's law. He was deliberately breaking the law of God by working on the Sabbath. Not only that, he was collecting sticks to start a fire on the Sabbath, which was also restricted. You see... While the action of collecting firewood is not evil in and of itself, the blatant premeditated rebellion of the action displays a treasonous motive of hatred to God and His Word and His promises to us. Therefore, He must be taken outside the camp and cut off from His people. By His disobedience, He was rejecting the Lord's grace. He was rejecting the Lord's commands. And he was rejecting to love what the Lord was giving him. And therefore, he had to be taken outside the camp. At its root, this is not an episode about stick collection, but rather about heart motivation. And this is why the Lord Jesus himself had to go outside the gates when He was hanged upon the cross. Because we, all of us, are not just sinning unintentionally, but we have rejected the Lord with a high hand. And we have been cut off by our sin. Separated from the people of God. And yet the Lord Jesus went outside the gates because that is where His sheep were. That is where the people were that He came to bring back to God. To bring us back into communion with the Lord. We have all rejected the blessings of the Lord. Yet by His death on the cross, the Lord went to those who had been cut off from the people of God. And He has brought them back. And this is how we are set apart as a people. We have been given God's unconditional grace to us in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is by His blood that we are covered and saved. By His blood we are given a new heart to love and obey His commandments. And by His blood He has caused us to love Him and His Word. This is how we are different. This is how we are set aside. This is the clothing that we are called to put on. As the Apostle Paul commands us, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how are we to be different from the world? How are we to be distinguished as holy? We are distinguished as holy, as those who have been chosen as those who are obedient, as those who love the Lord. By the grace, by the obedience, and by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we declare that we in our own lives have been like the Sabbath breaker, rejecting your good gifts to us. And we deserve the just punishment for our sin that we would be cut off from your grace. And yet you have set your love upon us in Christ Jesus. You have given us grace upon grace that the Lamb of God would be slain that we might be set free. And so I pray for each of us here that we would be set apart in our lives, that we would be holy unto you. We pray this through Christ's holy name. Amen.